0: Today, we have been talking about when love leads. And in the scriptures and in the Bible, there are various elements of metaphors of association that go ahead and help us get a proper picture of the variety and the variations of relationships. And... You know, we're called a lot of things, aren't we, in the Bible? <laughs> we really are. I mean, you know, sheep, goats, children, gods. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> But in this message this morning, I would like and feel very strongly that the words that I, in the, the, the realm of your mind that I want you to, to use as the setting, is the bridegroom and the bride. The bridegroom and the bride. As you know, there is a relationship and there's a dynamic and a dimension that is associated in that idea of the bridegroom and the bride. There are a few here that have not yet walked into that Uh, personal experience on the natural level but the majority of us have walked in the corridors have been a bridegroom or a bride and so we understand a few of the dynamics of it and yet scripture does use this same you know Correlation with regard to, you know, Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, the bride, and with all the variables that are out there and the, you know, associations that that you know are placed there. I, I don't want us to, you know, you know, deal with the semantics of it. I want you just to hear the voice, the words of the bridegroom. Words that some are spoken, others are portrayed by the act and by the event that took place. And so here he says, the bridegroom says, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. To the bridegroom, abide, or to the bride, abide in my love. Find, find that repose, find that confidence, you know, find that. You know, that I have an eye for you. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Think about it in terms of the bridegroom and the bride. That they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Let me know that heaven has got a wonderful atmosphere. Wonderful atmosphere. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Speaking of himself. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and they will fast. Thank you. The scriptures open in Genesis with love, a wedding that ends in death, but it climaxes with love, death. that ends in a wedding. How many remember your wedding day? I don't see any men's heads going up and down. Just the women. Did you, I didn't look over here. Okay, thank you, Yeah. I don't even think I shook my head, did I? You know, she she poked you, didn't she? I guess that is the difference between the bridegroom, us, you know, and the role that Jesus played and the role that we played, you know what I mean? We do need some prodding. Jesus, he doesn't need any prodding, does he? But imagine that this story about the bridegroom and the bride and And Paul picks it up in Ephesians chapter 5 there and runs through and yet then he concludes it's a mystery but I want you to know that what I'm really trying to get to is Christ in the church. Now some people are heavy on the submission of wives and all of that. I think it's a good idea. (laughs) It it, it helps me. You know, I have a a thin eagle. But really, Paul is saying, "I'm, I'm trying to convey to you, you know what I mean, this relationship And when you begin to read that passage, you see his his total involvement in the life of his bride. That he's the active one and all she has to do is really find a position and place of yielding. talks about in Genesis and with all that reference how that you're bone of bone and flesh of flesh. The bridegroom covenant, what sometimes we refer to as first love, and we preach about it. And we talk about Revelation chapter two and the. Church at Ephesus and the bridegroom is, you know, appealing, you know, for a resurrection, a return to, to that that first that first love. And God has made a covenant according to Ezekiel. And those, you know, we could read and go through. He talked about in that covenant, there would be a transformation of heart. Then we come to Calvary, which is really a divine love story. There at Calvary is the dowry that is paid, the cross. The rescue of his love. Great sacrifice. And then he... Revelations talks about the wedding supper of the Lamb. The parables. And Jesus speaks about how a king had made a supper for his son and began to invite guests. for the wedding for the wedding and so words from the bridegroom to his bride he's betrothed to us it's really a divine romance it's a divine romance In Matthew 25 is the story of the virgins, ten of them, five wise and five foolish. And in Matthew 22 is that wedding feast that the king provided. And then in Matthew 25, verse 14, is he talks about it again in how a man went away a long way on a journey and so there was a great time in be between I think that in that without you know confusing you in Matthew 25 it's really about cultivating intimacy intimacy the oil of intimacy As should be and is the case with a bridegroom and a bride, that passion. The oil that tenderizes the heart, that enlarges our desire, that illuminates our understanding, and it imparts zeal into our our lives. And yet there was a delay. And he said there would be a delay. He is the bridegroom and I am the bride. As long as Solomon says this, my beloved is mine and I am his. While well, Solomon uses, you know, many words and, and scenarios of that we often associate in the human realm, he is trying to depict that kind of affection and love, and freedom and closeness that is ours Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 and verse 4 and says that there's something that happened when Christ came and died and we died with him and it said it happened because so that we could be married to another another And it says, "To who we are going to be married to, to him, who was raised from the dead." <laughs> Pretty clear picture, isn't it? Then Paul writes and says about his ministry, he says, "And I have a ministry here, and I'm jealous for you with godly jealous, for I've betrothed you to one husband." He's like a marriage counselor. Before the marriage, they come and sit with that counselor, that spiritual leader, you know, that individual that. Converse with and gives them keys for life and you know, and keys for the relationship, and uh, you know, uh, discovery of their heart and what'll make it work, and you know, and things to escape. And so, he's talking from that perspective, and he says, For I betrothed you to one husband. You know, you can only have one real lover. And he says that I may present to you as a chaste virgin to Christ. you know that when you have, when he is your first love, that is the chasteness that he's talking about. That's the chasteness that he's talking about. We become unchaste when, you know, there are other first loves in our lives. The words of the, of the bridegroom can be found in a couple of settings in Scripture that we are familiar with. The first one I want to start with this morning is in John 14. It's turning a little bit slow this morning, Jim, okay? Anybody ever have that happen? Yeah, It just turns a little bit slow. Is Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he moves in and he, to a setting that you and I don't know about because it doesn't exist in our culture, but it existed in that culture. And that culture would have been this, is that that when a a man would propose to the woman, he would sit with the father of the bride and ask, of course, for... Her hand in marriage, and we'll get to the dowry thing in another thing, uh, word that Jesus speaking to us in a setting. In the culture that they lived in, it would not be like our culture because we love houses and acres around us. Theirs would be like Condominium after condominium after condominium. It's called an insula. And you've seen the Eastern pictures of how the houses are connected. Well, that's the setting. That the disciples understood, knew exactly what Jesus was saying. It had everything to do, you know, with what he who has proposed, as in, will you marry me? The follow up of that, and that is that he would leave. Their time frame was about a year. Jesus said it's going to be longer than that. And so when he says, I go to prepare a place for you. The custom is, is that he would leave the house of the father and then he would go to his father's house and he would add on a place that he would bring his bride. And there they would live together. You know what I mean? In, as it were, the insula, or along with the rooms. So here's the Father's house. And now Jesus said, I'm going to go add some rooms. (laughs) That's the message of the bridegroom. I'm going to go add some rooms to my Father's house so that... Where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to take you there. It was in the Last Supper, again we capture the message from the bridegroom, that as Jesus sat down, That would have been culture. Sat down and had a meal. And when he went ahead and took the cup of wine, that was a proposal. Because that's what they would do, Clay. He would ask the father for the hand of the bride and they would pour a cup of wine they would he would drink it of his commitment and his covenant and that meant that i will lay down my life for her and she would then in turn remember what he said this is the cup of the new covenant that I am making with you. Take it and drink it. And so when she went ahead and she drank it, she says, I'm accepting your proposal. Give the Lord a praise. Woo! She said, I'm accepting your proposal. Ma'am. So you know, church, the communion that we have and take on a regular basis and all of the elements that we associate with it, and all of those are true, the one other element that it's telling you, that you're telling the bridegroom, is that I accept your proposal. I accept to be your Bride, I accept your invitation. I accept the waiting period between the proposal, you know what I mean, and the time that you come to get me for the marriage. The communication of the bridegroom in the response, of course, of it. And notice what he says in that setting. After they have drunk and they have agreed, he's proposed, she's accepted. He says, I will not drink this with you until we drink it new in the kingdom of my Father. There's a day when, again, the marriage supper, that the cup of covenant, the cup of response again is going to be shared once again in a final, you know, and by and large it's that consummation of the whole and of the total. I don't know, and I hope. That there's a picture. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit, you know, he's the best man. He's the one that is is, you know what I mean? He's that assistant that even in that time, he's he's there. If you go to the book of Esther, Book of Esther, and to to Esther there was a given a man who was in charge of assisting her, preparing her, getting her ready for her time with the king. Oh, yes. And this guy, it's H-E-G-I-A, however you pronounce that. It's not Haggai, but Hegu probably not (laughs) her job her response was just to do everything that he told her to do so that she would be fully purified fully ready you know what I mean the fragrance all of the impurities, you know what I mean, that had clung to her from her past life, you know, all be taken away because the best man. He's just given us a picture. Okay, church, you know, don't, don't. You know, somebody said, well, uh, you know, the fact that uh, when Jesus said, you know what I mean, when they asked him, uh, when are you coming back? He says, I don't know. He said, only the Father knows that. And that was typical because the Father was the one that decided if the room was complete, it was finished. And so when he said, I don't know the time, you know what I mean? He's just showing his side of humanity. Not that he's not, that he's not equal with God. He is equal with God because he is God, but it's his humanity. He says, you know, in my humanity, the Father has not revealed that that side to me, but it's the Father that makes that decision when I get to go get my bride. And so then, there is a passage of Scripture In Revelations that says that as this climax and comes together, there is a there is a declaration. The bride has made herself ready. An anticipation. Expectation. Preparation for that day. She was actively, you know what I mean, trying to be that pride and person. I was asked my musicians to come this morning. As the Father has loved me so, I have loved you. Bridegroom, bride. It's supposed to be a wonderful time, the romance, the heart and the feeling, the anticipation and the expectation, based upon the promise, based upon, you know what I mean, the character, based upon... That you have eyes for no one but Him. See, there can be a lot of other things in your life. What the first commandment is, is that God has to be your first love. That's all. has to be your first love because she's your first love, isn't she, Clayton? She really is, you know? As time goes on, our love grows deeper and richer. And so I think that God wants to bring to us to the forefront of our attention, that the bridegroom and the bride relationship. Okay, I do. It's there for a purpose. There for a reason. There's fathers and the son and children relationship, but there is a closeness and there's an intimacy. There is a focus that happens in the bridegroom and the bride relationship. There's a dedication and there's a commitment. There's a separation and there's an expectation. So you can see the picture, you can see in John chapter 14 when all of a sudden their hearts are sinking because they've already experienced and said yes to the proposal. My son's right now is having to do some long-distance dating. (laughs) Not not all of us haven't had to do that. But you know, when you gotta do long-distance dating, you better, you gotta really have some commitment. She's gotta be the one. a lot of work a lot of effort a lot of things that's not going on and i hope this I hope i can do this right and you know we're kind of in a long distance relationship stand with me this morning One of my favorite passages of scriptures and it conveys to me such a beautiful picture of the voice of the bridegroom and the word of the bridegroom is found in when Jesus gave the parables. And one of those parables, two of those parables, he saw a treasure that was in the field and and then in the other one, he saw a pearl of great price. And in that, he went ahead in order to have the field and also the pearl of great price. He sold everything just to buy it. Now when you think about the pearl of great price and how it, how a pearl, you know, is made, (laughs) he takes the sand and he begins to cover it, all the irritations. And out of the, the covering of himself that pearl is formed that pearl is formed no man takes my life from me but I I lay it down I lay it down just a grain of sand to begin with, but because of what comes out of him, you become that pearl of great price. Amen. That's why we sing such love songs because sometimes we're a bride singing to the bridegroom. And sometimes we're sons and daughters singing to the Father. And then the next time we're singing about, there's a room for me in the Father's house. That make any sense? You're special. You're a bride. Bought with a price. For you are bought with a price, not of silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. That was the dowry that was required of the Father. And then, Matthew 25, the bridegroom gives another picture of how the bride got a little bit weary and tired of waiting. In the process, she becomes a little less diligent. You know? And she's not concentrating and she's not passionate and she's not excited and as a result of that it says that that intimacy goes down it goes down it goes down down. Peter said this that we're going to be challenged. And there's going to be voices and there will be people in the church that will say, where's the promise of his coming because all things continue as they were. Nothing is really changing. Are you sure Jesus is coming? How come it doesn't look like it? How come it doesn't feel like it? Just because it's taken longer than what they thought. How many know that in life and everything that when things take longer than what we think, we have a tendency to drag? <laughs> yeah, we do. And so the bridegroom says, you know, this is going to happen, Clayton. You know what I mean? You know, Don't let it get to you, don't let it bother you, because I'm going to come and you are going to be my bride. Amen. Amen. So bride, what do we do? Amen. Thank you. What do we do in the term? He said do business till I come. That's right. That's right. Do business till I come. Because another parable said he came and he checked and on, you know what I mean, how many were coming and he said there wasn't enough. I've got more t- I've got more seating. So I need you to go out, and I need you to make sure that others are coming in so that there's no empty seats. Hallelujah. Go with God, because he's going to go with you. God bless you in Jesus' name.